you guys. Welcome back to another episode of That's My Personal Business. Today is kind of a different episode. This is an episode for Domestic Abuse and Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and I'm really excited. Today we have on an incredible guest, one that you guys have talked to me a lot about, and that is Monica Moore-Smith, and she is a former competitive Kenpo karate kid turned full-time film actress and content creator, and she has a passion for storytelling, balancing an entertainment career and Latter-day Saint beliefs isn't always easy, but it has never been a question for her. She is a survivor of domestic abuse and now divorcee. We, yep, here we are. (laughs) And she is passionate about spreading awareness so that fellow survivors can get the help they need and feel empowered to take charge of their future, especially in a culture where such topics can be so taboo. She really hopes to pave a way for others to see that they can fully be themselves and follow their dreams. Monica, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. You said that beautifully. That oh, was like, thank you. I feel like I got I a grand entrance. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope I like, you know, it's always my goal to get that out in one go. You nailed um, it. One take wonder. <laughs> but I am so excited to have you on the show. Excited feels like a weird word because we are talking about such a weird and taboo and painful topic, but I am excited. Um, I'm really grateful that there are people like you on the internet sharing your voice and sharing your experience. Um, I found your platform. Actually, I think I found it a while ago, to be honest, like several months ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I first started speaking out about like abuse and things like that, so many people sent me your platform. Um, and so with it being the month that it is domestic abuse awareness and domestic violence awareness, I knew I had to do an episode like this and I was like, Oh, you came to mind instantly. Oh my gosh. It's small world. It's, it's crazy how these things have like brought so many people together. It's like a sad, but also nice thing. Yeah. It's like a, it's a beauty of it after the mm-hmm. fact for sure. Yeah. This Well, I am super excited. And before we like dive into everything, I do want to say for those of you listening, just give you a little bit of a trigger warning. This will be an episode about domestic violence and domestic abuse. So if those things can be triggering for you or anyone that you're listening with, please feel free to skip out. Um, We want this to always be a safe space for everyone. Um, And I know that, you know, we're talking about triggering things today. So just know that that is kind of what this episode will contain. Um, And so Monica, I want you to kind of, as I know I've talked to you about this before, whatever you're comfortable with is what I want you to talk about. But you, <laughs> you've been so open and genuine and raw on your platform about what's happened. So I'd love for you to kind of tell us what your story kind of is. So this is one of those things when, when that question's asked for me, I always like sit in my head and try and figure out yeah. where to start because I think anyone who's ex- experienced abuse knows how complicated it is Mm -hmm. and there's so much to unravel and it's like well where do you begin where do you start and even now post abuse I'm still going through and seeing things that happened throughout the couple of years and dissecting them and going oh my gosh wait that wasn't okay that wasn't okay Mm -hmm. um but I kind of so I I got married Um, I dated this person for a whole year and I thought that would like check all the boxes. Like I was good a whole year and coming from Utah, like really, I was going to say in Utah, (laughs) in Utah, that's a long time. (laughs) Oh, that's like in Utah. That's like, it's almost like dog years. Like dating in Utah for a year is like dating for seven years somewhere else. Like it's a really long time. It is. And like, it's so funny because 
in my mind, it isn't that long, but even people like that I was around were constantly like, oh, like, when are you going to get married? It's about time. And like, there's that external kind of pressure. So yeah, essentially I dated for a year. And the funny thing is when I was dating, it was like perfect. I saw it Mm -hmm. as perfect. And now looking back, that was kind of the love bombing stage. And Mm -hmm. there was a lot of dishonesty that I didn't know at the time. I kind of just trusted openly. Um, I didn't have a ton of relationship experience. So I was kind of, I was really naive going into it, but kind of things started happening where the, the confusing thing was at the time, like it didn't feel like, oh my gosh, I'm being abused. Just once I got married, there were certain things that seemed really confusing and really painful within the marriage. But I thought like, okay, well, marriage is hard. People say marriage mm-hmm. is hard. So I just need to be stronger and I just need to learn more relationship skills. And, and I just felt like things were really, really difficult and painful and confusing, but I felt like it was my fault. And like, even at the time I didn't have the vocabulary to explain what was happening. Yeah. I just felt like super confused. And I had this feeling like I distinctly remember so many times, um, like going to the gym sauna, <laughs> that was like my yeah. place where I try to de-stress and just feeling like this on this icky feeling underneath of like a gut feeling of like something is really wrong, but I couldn't put my finger on it. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be something that's very common with women that are experiencing abuse is before they are able to identify as abuse because they don't have the education or the tools to do that. There's just a gut feeling of something is wrong and something is unsettled, but I can't figure out what it is or how to fix it. Yeah. And I think that's I haven't even thought about that before where that's such a good, I don't know, thing to like say and educate people on. Cause mine is the same. Like when I came out of my abusive situation, it took a long time. I mean, I didn't even think it was abuse until my therapist had to like literally convince me. Like she was like, this is abuse. And I was like, no, it's normal. (laughs) I'm like, no, don't worry about it. Like it's not. Um, but like at the time when I was in it, um, when I was in that situation, I do remember like looking back, I remember dreading like going to be around this person or like, I remember just feeling like, and now looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was having constant panic attacks is actually what I think it was, is I was just having like panic attacks. They weren't even like attacks though. They were just 24 seven. They just weren't ending. (laughs) Constant Um, fight or flight. Yeah, just constant fight or flight. But yeah, that's kind of how, when you're in it, you can just kind of feel that it's off, but you just it's so hard to identify because mm-hmm. at least I'm not sure if you feel this way. I just, there's so little education. Like, I feel like I'm just barely learning what. Well, yeah, happens. I think, I think a lot of people have relationships, but I feel like it's one of those aspects of life that's kind of secret and people don't really mm-hmm. talk about specifically what is normal, what is not normal? Because you always hear like, well, marriage is hard, but abuse is not okay. But what is abuse? And we know there's like emotional abuse and verbal abuse. But before I went through it, I like didn't know what that meant. I just assumed that was like, okay, if someone calls you a mean name or like screams at you constantly. And Mm -hmm. it's so much more complicated than that. Yeah. And And that's, that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about. And like your experience, because it is, I feel like for me growing up, I was always that woman that was like, I'll never be abused. Like I I won't, I wouldn't allow it. Like I wouldn't allow that to happen myself. And I think that's one thing that like 
abusers get asked so constantly is like, well, why didn't, or people who were abused get asked so constantly. Mm -hmm. is like, why didn't you leave? And it's like, it's not what you think it's going to be. Like I thought that I, you know, if I was ever, I don't know when I thought about abuse, it was like, oh, I'd be covered in bruises or like, kind of like what you said, like screaming cuss words at me. Like those were two things that I was like, oh, I would never allow those things to happen. Otherwise I would leave. Um, but by the time, at least in my experience, mine was such a more like covert way of abuse in the beginning that by the time it escalated to the point where like it was blatant abuse, it's kind of like the frog analogy. My friend was just telling me about this is like, you know, if you put a frog in like boiling water, it'll jump right out. But if you just turn it up slowly, they're not going to notice. And I feel like that's kind of what my experience was, is it was so sneaky at first Mm -hmm. that like by the time the like really intense abuse started happening, I was so disoriented at that point that like I couldn't even grasp that what was happening wasn't okay because I was just so used to talking myself out of things at that point. Well, and of course there's like the aspect of like usually when you're abused by someone, whether that's a family member, a spouse or a friend, the last thing you want to think is that they are abusing you because Mm -hmm. in order to think that oftentimes you're guilted into feeling bad for even possibly thinking they could mistreat you. And that was one of the things for me is when, when I was trying to like work on the relationship and try and stand up for myself and say, Hey, this isn't okay. Or I'm not comfortable with this. Then I was made to feel guilty because I either a wasn't respecting his role as the man I was making him out to be the bad guy. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if I'm going to do that, then I should just leave because I don't want to be married and I'm not committed and I'm not being one with him. Um, and so it would turn into one little issue I'm trying to address. And pretty much with abuses, if you feel like everything is your fault, it's probably definitely it's most probably not. Yeah. yeah. Because nothing is everyone's fault. And, and so with everything, I took blame for everything. And that was also partly because the blame was put on me that, mm-hmm. You know, if um, I didn't give him sex then, then he would need to go get his needs met elsewhere and then it would be my fault Um, Mm -hmm. or whatever it was, the blame would be shifted. So if blame is constantly being shifted to you and only you and your partner or your family member or whoever it is, isn't taking accountability, then most likely abuse is present because you shouldn't feel like everything is your fault and your world is crumbling and there's nothing you can do. And that's what I felt like. And also kind of going into the point you were talking about, about the a frog boiling in water. Um, one of the quotes my therapist told me that I loved is that um, abuse is like mold. It thrives in the dark. And the whole thing is when mm. people say, oh, why don't you just leave? Like he treats you like crap or whatever it is. Um, lots of times, at least in my case too, is that not, if people say just leave, it's because they kind of know what's going on. And if they don't, oftentimes abusers have a really good public image. Mm -hmm. And in my case, I was very much on social media. And also like I, if I didn't like post things that were positive enough, or I seemed like I was sad, um, then my spouse would take issue with that and I would be in trouble. And so Mm -hmm. there'd be consequences for that. So I had to like maintain this image. So then everyone else, you know, and, 
it would be kind of like we'd be at a photo shoot and he'd be all sweet and kissing me and and nice but then you know pull me close and whisper in my ear and call me a whore and tell me how embarrassed he is to be around me and that I'm embarrassing myself and I'm not good at modeling and what I think I'm doing and who do I think I am. Um, but no one heard that. People just see someone pulling me in to give me a kiss. And so I remember distinctly, like we were shooting on the mountaintop and there's all these photographers. And I think this is what typically I found abuse feels like. It's like, you can be surrounded by people and feel so alone yeah because no one knows like the and and, like the problem is I I think every woman would pretty much agree I think at least majority that the physical abuse is not nearly as bad as the emotional and the mental and the sexual and the spiritual a hundred percent and the thing is that is so much easier to hide especially when you um, are being abused by someone who treats other people a different way so that when when you try and get help, you feel like you're crazy because they couldn't do that because they're so sweet or they're so nice. Um, yep. And so that further creates not only are they gaslighting you and you're probably gaslighting yourself, but also, you know, people outside are gaslighting you because no one sees what's going on behind closed doors closed doors yeah that's always what I I for so long was so private about my experience and that's always what I would tell people though when they would question my decisions in any regard is I would be like I'm not going to talk about this but like you just don't understand what's been going on behind closed doors like there's yeah there's always a life behind closed doors and and that's the thing is and and that's what my therapist told me as well as she was like abusers would never be horrible people in every regard of their life or they would never get away with it yeah it wouldn't work yeah it wouldn't work because if they were abusing you in front of your friends or family or people that care about you then they would put a stop to it. Like people Mm -hmm. have to think they are good people on the outside. Otherwise they would never be able to get away with what they're doing behind closed doors. Exactly. And that's, that's again, going back to the like abuse thrives in the dark. And like, for example, like I went to his work party and he was really mean to me the whole day telling me how much he didn't like me and how much it sucks for him that he has to be with someone like me for eternity, da, 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 his kind of rant he would go on. Um, basically, I guess to make me feel bad, <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we got to his work party, all of a sudden he was being really nice and really sweet and like pulling me in. And I kind of said something for once and just said, this is kind of confusing me. I don't know what's going on. I thought you were mad at me and I don't know why. And now you're being really sweet and I don't know what changed. And he said, well, I want my coworkers to think I like my wife. Oh my gosh. And so that's kind of, I think that's maybe a more overt thing because like in the beginning of the relationship, it wasn't that overt, but that's, you know, like you said, as things go on further, the more and more can escalate. But at that point, like I was to the point where I like couldn't function. I felt like everything I was doing was wrong. I didn't know up from down. I couldn't decide when to take a shower because if I took a shower at this time, then he'd be mad at me because I wasn't asking him. And so I was running a schedule. But if I asked to take a shower, then I was making him feel like a tyrannical leader. So I couldn't do that. So like every, like, so at that point, like I was just trying to make sense of things. And of course, I think other people hear that and go, oh my gosh, why don't you run? But the, um, a good analogy I like to think about, uh, there's, sorry, I'm, I'm talking a lot, but. <laughs> no, I love it. Nope. This is what this is for. <laughs> 
um, something that I found really helpful to try and explain to other people who haven't experienced it is there's this one guy I listened to an interview about and he used to be in a cult and he now specializes in trying to figure out cult mentality so he can help um, get people out of cults. And so he's been on the inside and he's experienced the brainwashing. And he says that it takes a total of only three days for a recruiter from a cult to meet a total stranger and within three days to take that total stranger and commit them to the cult possibly for life. Three days. Now take that and put that mentality on someone who is your family member, a spouse. Yeah, intimately uh, connected. Yeah. It takes three days to commit someone to life to a cult when they've never met. But then when, especially if there's a religious aspect or something for me, it was like, I'm tied to him for eternity. The, the power they have to brainwash you is so much stronger and so much more gripping. Yeah. No, I... Yep. I think that's the perfect description of it is, and I think too, I always describe it to people as like, it's mental gymnastics Mm -hmm. is that one second, like you said, something horrible is happening. Like I just remember like even when it started and it was like a little bit more tame, it was really manipulative and really mean. And anytime I would engage in certain behaviors, I would be like ridiculed or, you know, just yelled at. And then to follow if I was like, wait, this is upsetting. Cause I feel like especially, or at least in my case, in the beginning, I was a little bit more prone to stand up for myself just because Mm -hmm. it was such a change so quickly that I at least was like not brainwashed enough to like be like, wait, Like I still was like, oh, this is kind of weird. Yeah. Like this is kind of weird. And I remember I'd speak up about it and then it would be like, well, you are such a horrible person for making me feel like I'm doing something wrong. Like that would be said Mm -hmm. to me all the time is like, I can't believe you're so horrible that you would make me feel like the bad guy. And like, I, and like, and then of course, you know, we go into like love bombing and tactics like that. That was like, the only time um, I would be told how much I was loved or how much I was adored. Like it would flip flop so quickly and your brain is just not, no human's brain is like equipped to handle how quickly those things flip. And so it's so disorienting to be having these horrible things said to you, but at the same time being told that it's done out of love. And especially when it isn't an intimate setting or an intimate relationship, you're like, okay, but yeah, they are supposed to love me. Like Mm -hmm. this, you know, partner or family member or friend, they are supposed to love me. So like maybe it really is out of love, I guess, or like maybe I should just look past it because it's only going to happen once, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that for me was kind of where the mental gymnastics of it all started so that when things started to escalate into, you know, other more serious realms of abuse, um, or maybe not not serious because they're all serious, but more more physical. I'll just say that. Like more physical yeah. of abuse, which were the ones I was I always thought I'd catch so quickly. But by the time that they were happening, I was already just like so gone, like mentally. I just was already so drained and disoriented that I was like, uh either it's fine or like it won't happen again. Yeah. Well and two, like I think no no one, like you said, no one can be in fight or flight all the time and mm-hmm. still function at full capacity because I felt like emotionally, physically, in every aspect, I was to full capacity, um, being scared all of the time, being worried all of the time that you just, you're literally scientifically, like your brain 
you're not going to be able to like stand up for yourself or make like as solid choices. And people say, Oh, well have boundaries, do this and this and X, Y, Z. But it's so much harder when you're already at full capacity and being Mm -hmm. pushed to the limit. And like, by the time things get physical, a, it can be confusing if there's gaslighting because mm-hmm. something can happen and then they'll deny it. And then you think maybe I am crazy because they couldn't do that to me. They told me they couldn't because they love me, but I just saw it happen. But maybe I am just really out of it. Um, and so you begin to gaslight yourself. Or one of the things that I told my therapist, I was like, I told her I was just praying. I've been like praying, 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 praying. I wanted him to like kill me um, because things were so bad. And I knew he, I felt like he wanted to already that I was mm-hmm. like, please take me out of my misery because I didn't feel like there was any other escape because I couldn't, I feel like justify leaving the relationship because I felt like I deserved the abuse. So I just wanted it to escalate to the point where I would die. Mm-hmm. And if you're getting to the point where you're wanting for that to happen, yeah. that's, that's a big sign that things are not right. Things are not healthy. Yeah. And like, it took my, like you said, like it took my therapist, like saying like, that's not, that's not healthy. That's not okay for me to go. Oh, <laughs> like shoot. Yeah. And that's like, oh, well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for sharing that. Cause that's so vulnerable. And I'm so sorry like that and I know that's like obvious but I just oh my gosh my heart just goes out to you because it is it's so painful and I think that's one thing I was never aware of is like what fear can do to your brain and just like living in fear for you know weeks or months or even years like completely can change the way that you like view the world and what's happening to you and like Mm -hmm. I have a few questions that I wanted to ask you because I think this is and this is hard to talk about so if it is a question you don't feel comfortable answering we can skip on to the next one Um, but I wanted to ask you if you'd feel comfortable sharing some things that happened that you were told by your abuser were normal when they weren't because I think that's one thing that was so hard for me coming out of my abusive situation is that I remember when I first got out of it too, I was like, no, like there's no way it was abuse. It was totally normal. And then as I started giving examples and like, I'll kind of give some of mine, but I just remember being like, no, like I'm the bad guy if I'm upset by something. And they'd be like, no, that's not right. And I'd be like, okay, well, and then like to heighten things, like I just remember, cause again, I was like, you know, if I ever get like really beat up, then I like that's abuse and I would leave. Mm -hmm. But it was like, I remember like the first time I got shoved and I was like, oh, it's not great. Like, and I remember being like, no, that can't happen again and saying that, but then being like, but it's okay. It only happened once. And then like, like, well, I'm still walking. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm not covered in bruises. Like it could have been, it could have been worse. And then I remember like furniture getting thrown at me or broken. And I remember being like, okay, not great. But like, again, I'm not covered in bruises so it's fine or like I would just get screamed at like just the top of their lungs screamed at for hours sometimes like daily and like towards the end of that situation just it was constant like I felt like I was getting yelled at more than I was getting talked to and I just remember though thinking that that which like saying it out loud now right like people the average person listening is probably like what the heck how did you think that was normal but it's like I did 
I Mm -hmm. did think it was normal. And so my hopes in sharing that is that like, if someone else is in a situation like that, like it's not normal for things to be thrown at you or for furniture to be broken. Or like, I remember I used to get trapped in rooms. Like they would trap me in rooms and like use a lot of really physical intimidation to like make me feel really scared. And I, I was so scared. I think that's the thing is that it's so easy. Yeah. Like we've talked about to be like, you should just leave, but it's like, you're so terrified by the time that it escalates to like Mm -hmm. anything physical that I just was like, I don't know. It's just, you're almost in survival mode, but you don't see survival as like leaving like that doesn't even feel like an option for some reason well I think like a lot of it like my ex said like well that everyone agrees with him and he's talked to people and they agree with him that oh my gosh yeah sorry I don't mean to laugh I'm like I heard that so many times (laughs) right (laughs) he was like all the bishops he said that all the bishops and all the therapists know I'm right so if you leave you're failing the marriage Mm -hmm. and like but then other people would tell me like, wow, you're so lucky to be with him. Like you guys are perfect. I want a relationship like that. So I thought like, shoot, I got to work things out. Cause no way. Like I didn't see divorce as an option unless like I had to. And if it was my fault, then like, I wasn't going to let that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but in regards to like examples of things that are not okay, that now it's so funny, like now talking about it, and even certain things that I'll just talk about kind of casually, like with close friends, like, oh, you know, if we go to a restaurant or something, and then I'm just like remembering, oh yeah, this thing happened at Texas Roadhouse and blah, blah, blah. And they're like sitting there like, what? Are you kidding? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Sometimes and- things just slip out where you're like, wait, <laughs> was that not okay? Like, <laughs> like that dude. Was not okay. <laughs> yeah. That was just my life. Yeah that you get so conditioned or like little things that you're like, oh, well, that wasn't a big deal because these such and such things were so much worse that sat in comparison seemed nice. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think one of the things that I kind of was convinced like I deserved or was normal was like isolation. That's a huge yeah. isolation from friends, isolation from family, isolation from work, isolation from everything. I mean, I remember I, he would always go to the gym with me and he would always kind of like, watch me and like follow me into auditions sometimes. And mm-hmm. he never wanted me to go anywhere alone. And if, even if I did, he was, he would accuse me of plotting against him and that I was telling people stuff that people knew something that people thought he was up to something and I was plotting against him and I was trying to bring his downfall. It was very like paranoid, extreme, like you thought mm-hmm. I was like doing something, but for the longest time I didn't tell anyone because Um, he told me like, I tried to go to therapy to get help. And I even just said like, on my mind at the time, it wasn't even like, oh, I'm getting abused. I just thought at the time, like he told me I was really anxious and I couldn't handle adult life and I was mentally unstable. So I was going to try and like get like therapy for anxiety and depression because I felt like I wanted to die and I couldn't function. And I thought it was my fault, Mm -hmm. but he wouldn't even let me, he said, you know, Monica, if you go in, you're not allowed to talk about me or the marriage. And if you do, you're breaking our covenants. And then it then turns into, well, if I'm breaking our covenants our marriage covenants, then he's allowed to break his marriage covenants. So he can go off with so-and-so and and then da, 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 or, you know, there's all these consequences. There's all these caveats. 
So like, I definitely wasn't going to go in and talk about it because then I felt like our marriage was going to fall apart. I was going to get cheated on. It was going to be my fault. And I couldn't have that on my shoulders. I already felt like I wanted to die. Like I couldn't handle that emotionally. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I couldn't get help. So isolation, when they're following you, when they're monitoring you, um, he like made me write up this letter to my parents to basically say like, you know, leave me alone (laughs) so Mm -hmm. that, you know, and he told me he wanted to get me as far away from my family as possible because he was convinced that they were brainwashing me and trying to bring down the marriage and break us apart. So I shouldn't see my family and he wanted to never, ever see them again because they were trying to get into my mind. And he also would tell me that like when he would abuse me, he said, Monica, like, it's not my fault. It's because I can't tell the difference between you and your parents. And I would never want to be with someone like your parents because your parents are evil. And so if I abuse you, it's not my fault because you're like your parents. So that's why it's important that we get further away from your parents so that this doesn't keep happening and you don't keep getting hurt. And so Mm -hmm. in my mind, it created this whole narrative of like, it got me to isolate myself because I saw that as a way to alleviate some of the abuse because he made it my fault. When if I saw a friend at the gym on accident, I didn't know, I wasn't planning on seeing them. I saw one of my friends, she was there at the gym. She ran past me, she said hello. And I got freaked out because I knew, like as soon as I talked to her for like five minutes, and he was pissed. He was pissed off at me because he said, oh, well, I didn't know we were planning to meet up with friends to talk about me. What were you talking about? And it turns in everything I did, he would like hyper analyze and he would like, everything was like, I, 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 there was no sense of like freedom. And I always felt like if I did anything, I was in trouble. I was afraid to talk to people in general because if I did then I would have to recite it to him. And if he found issue that I wasn't being happy enough, that I wasn't da 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 da, then like there were going to be consequences. That's what he'd always say. Like there's natural consequences. It's consequences. Yeah. Yeah. So isolation is a huge one. They should not be isolating you from your family, from your friends. Or he told me, you know, like I wanted to go to this hip hop class and I hadn't gone in months and I used to go weekly. And of course, like if you start stopping doing all the things that you love and care about, I was going to say, that's, that's one of mine. <laughs> it's a big sign. Or if you feel guilty for having aspirations, mm-hmm. if you feel bad for like wanting to go to the gym or wanting to like bake a cake, like I stopped baking. I stopped like singing. And if I did sing, I felt terrible for it because I felt like I was a bad person because I was calling attention to myself. So therefore I was being selfish. And he said I was the most selfish person he knew. And so I didn't want to be the most selfish person he knew. So I stopped singing so I could say, Hey, look, I'm not the most selfish person. I'm not singing anymore. Look, um, you feel like you have to prove to them you're not evil and you shouldn't feel like you have to prove to someone you're not Satan because you're not. No, a hundred percent. And I like what you said about how like you would almost shoot. I forgot how you phrase it, but just that you would almost cater to them to alleviate further abuse and I think that's one of the things that makes it so hard to leave is that like I know I did the same where to prevent further abuse from happening I would just give I would just try to go out of my way to almost like not do the things that they were getting I would almost try to like cater to their triggers almost is how I would describe it is I'd be like okay like 
everything I'm saying is resulting them to is resulting in them screaming at me or throwing things at me or like getting really violent. So I'll just stop talking or like yeah. like there was just so many things where I just completely started to cater myself to whatever situation would be the safest because I knew it wasn't going to be safe no matter what, but even if I could make it safer. A bit better. Yeah, a little bit better than I do it, but it's this I and I'm not sure if you were the same, but I just feel like it was this vicious cycle of me having to like cater, cater, cater more and more and more to alleviate more and more and more, but then more stuff was happening. So I was getting even more brainwashed. And so it was just like over the years, I just like became this totally different person. And that kind of led me into this other question I wanted to ask you, because I think this is something that's so different for everyone. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to ask if there were if you feel like there were signs from an outside perspective, like looking back now, like were there signs that people or like your close loved ones, had they had known what's going on, like now that they have the hindsight, were there things that were signs of what was going on in your home? I'm not sure if that question makes sense. It does. No, it um, does. Because for me and like, because this is how it manifested for me, like when I look back, I was so secretive about what was going on, but I, oh my gosh, when I have seen photos of myself from when I was in this stage of my life, I look like a totally different person. I completely stopped taking care of myself. My face, um, this is like what's crazy too, is I didn't gain a lot of weight, but my face swelled up. And yeah. my friend and I were actually researching this, that your face will swell up with cortisol. I think it's called cortisol, the stress hormone. Yeah. Um, and so if you're in a situation where you're stressed all the time, your face will hold on to that hormone and just be like constantly swollen. Cause it's really wild to look back. Cause my body looks the exact same. I wasn't like gaining weight. But my face was really, really swollen. And yeah. I just looked so different. I stopped taking care of myself, kind of like what you said, isolation. I very rarely saw my people anymore. Um, my people, I like, we, I like, I just was never around them anymore. I wasn't supposed to be around them. I wasn't given like the time to be around them. Um, and like the biggest thing once I was out of this situation is I had so many people come forth to me and they were like, anytime you know, your abuser would come around or when you would be around you or like when we would see you with them, you would instantly shut down and you would stop talking and they would quickly remove you from the situation. But like we always noticed whenever they'd be coming to get you or they'd be coming to see you, you would almost just like completely shut off. You'd just stop talking. You'd check out. And I didn't I wasn't even aware I was doing that. Like I had no idea that I was doing that around other people. Mm -hmm. um, but I think just subconsciously I knew that like, you know, it was time to be scared again. Like it was time yeah. for fear to come back and I would start panicking and I'd just go back into that zone of like, okay, hey, we don't talk. We don't say anything. We don't like move or breathe or speak anything out of line so that there's no consequences when there's no longer people around. And I think- yeah even talking to, you know, the people in my life that I'm closest with now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish any of us, it's no one's fault, right? That we didn't mm -hmm. catch it. But I'm like, oh, I wish I could tell people in the future, like that's how it manifested for me. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, those were such obvious tells now that we have this hindsight to be like, oh, that was like, 
such an not okay situation. Like, and those were signs that something was happening behind closed doors that I wasn't in a place to talk about or, you know, wasn't ready to share or, you know, or didn't even think was wrong because I didn't think it was wrong for so long. I thought it was so normal. Um, and so I think that'd be like my question. Sorry, that was a long, that was a long thought. Um, but I'd love to hear how that manifested for you because I do think it's so different for everyone. Um, on like how these things, and I think that sometimes they're not big tells. Like I got, you know, so involved with like my job. And so I kind of stopped doing anything but my job and looking back, I'm like, oh, that was a tell. Like, why didn't I have any hobbies? Why did I stop doing so much stuff that I loved? Like it was because I only had one thing that was okay for me to do or like one thing I felt comfortable in. And I think that the more awareness we can kind of bring about this, even though like it can manifest in so many ways, but I'm like, maybe someone hears this where like their friend is manifesting in this way and they're able to be like, oh, maybe something's a little fishy there. I don't know. I, I love that you bring that up. There's, it's so interesting. The little things that it's like other people can pick up on before you, because it's like, you're Mm -hmm. in such a brain fog. Mm -hmm. And again, it's like, there are certain things I didn't pick up on that now I look back and it's not like any fault of my own. Like, yeah, um, definitely not. There's just like a lot going on. The the cortisol thing is interesting because that's true. Like holding on to water rate stress. I feel like if um, one thing that I noticed was I'm someone who has always had an appetite and for like the first time in my life, like I was nauseous all of the time. The thing is, it wasn't like I was pregnant. Like I like got tested and everything. I wasn't pregnant, but I was nauseous all the time. I couldn't stomach food. I constantly felt like I was sick. I just felt like I was sick. And I think it was literally just what I was taking in emotionally. Yeah. I'm like, now that you're saying this, I'm like, oh my gosh, wait, that was one of mine too. I was sick. I've never been sicker in my whole life than when I was in this situation. Like I had so many health problems. Like I got TMJ, like my joints started like breaking down. I was sick constantly. Okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm just like, oh my gosh, wait. Yeah. That happened to me too. Right. It's, it's crazy. It's like, I feel like everyone's stories are different, but I think we all share so many of the same symptoms and feelings. And like, I noticed like even my skin, like my skin was breaking out like crazy, 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 like never before. And I was scarring up and I like ended up going to the ER and like my body, I was physically in pain constantly. I felt like I was dying mm-hmm. and, um, and it just got worse and worse. And that, I think that's something huge to pay attention to because if our mind doesn't register something, our body will manifest it. It's oh, going absolutely. to show up. If we, if we push something down or something is happening that's damaging and we aren't aware of it, it's going to manifest physically eventually if it's not addressed. Mm-hmm. And so I like got really skinny. And the funny thing was like, I'm never a person that's like, oh, I forgot to eat. Like, but I like got skinny and I wasn't trying. And this is coming from someone who like after high school lost a bunch of weight and it was really hard for me to do that. And like, now I'm like losing weight and I'm not trying to, and I'm not eating enough. And I was looking, I was freezing. I was really cold all the time. Um, and I've noticed like what you were saying about like looking at your face and having it look different. I've had a lot of people comment on the fact that like, there's, there's this thing that I've noticed where it's like when someone is being abused and now that I've 
been abused, like you can tell, I feel like in someone's eyes. I was going to say, yeah, in your eyes, you can see it. See it. You can tell when there's like this hurt, like brokenness of like, it's dim because I think that's like abuse is like the metaphor for abuse is like taking someone's light and just squashing it Mm -hmm. and getting rid of it and hiding it. And I, I've had people now say like, oh my gosh, there's like, the light is back in your eyes. The light is back in your eyes. Like, mm-hmm. and it's funny because at the time I felt like I was trying so hard to be happy and like be positive and focus on the silver lining and like smile. And, and it's like, there's the fact is like, you can, if, if you're paying attention, you can kind of tell. And if there's someone where you see like a dimness and it's this weird, untangible thing, but it's like, there's a sign and I've noticed any, I've had lots of people during the experience who reached out, who had been abused, who said they just like had a gut feeling I could tell in my eyes. And like, that's one of the things I say, I harp on is gut feelings. <laughs> like yep. your gut is your second brain. And oh my gosh, my gut was right from the beginning. And I couldn't explain at the time. I didn't have the vocabulary or education to know what was happening was abuse, but my gut knew, like my body was telling me this isn't right. Yeah. Um, And I think kind of what you said too, like your body can't hide things. Like you mm -hmm. can hide things, but your body can't hide things. Like I even look back at, you know, cause I'll, I've been on Instagram for years and years and years. And so sometimes someone will like message me and they'll have responded to a story when I was in that abusive situation. And so I like click on it. And there's been times where I've just clicked on it to be like, oh, like, I wonder what this was from years ago. And I look at myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, I look like for knock of a better term. I'm like, I look dead inside. Like I just look absolutely gone. Like, and I, and I mean, that's how I felt like, and I think that's one thing to look out for, which is kind of what I wanted to ask you next is like how people can help in these situations. Mm -hmm. Because I think one thing that's so hard and like, obviously like with it being domestic violence and domestic abuse month, domestic abuse, I feel like can also be so sticky and domestic abuse too, I think applies just like in a home in general, like if that's family or a partner or like whatever, but domestic abuse, I feel like can be so sticky sometimes because even if you get an inkling that it's happening, you're kind of like, oh, well, it's not my business because it's like someone's personal life. And I think that is like one of those stigmas that needs to be broken so badly is that like being a victim is never like personal business. Like Mm -hmm. it's never too personal to ask someone if they're safe or like to make sure that they're in a safe situation. Um, And so I did get, when I first kind of opened up about this, I got a lot of DMs where they were like, I feel like my friend is in a situation like that. Like, how am I supposed to go about this? And I think that's such a I don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it because I think too, when I was in the pit of like, you know, the pits of despair, basically, Mm -hmm. I'm like, if someone had come to me and been like, are you okay? I probably would have been like, oh yeah, like, absolutely. I'm okay. Like, (laughs) I'm great. Don't I look great? Like I looked horrible. (laughs) Like I was obviously not okay. (laughs) I put on lots of concealer today. Come on. Yeah. Honestly, I'd be like, no, everything's fine. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think like looking back, I'm like, what could someone have done? And I think it's just more like knowing what to ask 
and mm-hmm. being like, do you feel like, I kind of feel like it would have been helpful for someone to start almost being like, Hey, do you feel happy and like supported and loved by this person? And I would have been easily able to be like, no. And then they could have kind of gone in deeper and been like, okay, like, do they ever do anything that makes you feel unsafe or fear? Or like, do they ever make you feel less than or like, do you know what I mean? But kind of building into it slowly because I think sometimes we get afraid and we don't want to like get into people's personal business. Yeah. Or like, we don't want to make people uncomfortable, but it's like, you'll, if someone's in an abusive situation, you'll never regret asking or like checking on them. And if they're not in an abusive situation, then Then, there's really nothing to regret. Like, oh, you care. (laughs) Yeah. They'll just be like, oh, you really care about me. So I wanted to ask you if you feel like there was something that like could have been really helpful for you at that time. Cause I, I always like rack my brain of what I think getting into therapy would have been sooner would have been my biggest one. Yeah. Um, Cause that's, that really was the ticket. It was like a therapist seeing this and then being like, Oh no. An even. unbiased view to like say, yeah. oh, this isn't okay. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I think, but I think when it does come to like close people in my life, if they had seen those warning signs and then been like, Hey, it seems like something's going on. And like, I really care about you and I want to see what's going on. Like, how are you feeling? I don't know. I think just like leaning into it slowly could have been easier than someone just being like, hey, a generalized, like, are you okay? Because I probably just would have been like, yeah, you would have just said, yeah. Because if you didn't say that, then like you're probably in trouble or like speaking not highly of that person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, I feel like in my eyes too, it was always like, oh, if I say I'm not okay, or if I say any of this, isn't okay. They're going to tell me I'm crazy because that's what yeah. the abuser's doing. Like they've just been telling me like every time I spoke into it, they'd be like, no, you're insane. Like something's yeah. wrong with you. So I was yeah, like, why would I things in your head? Like you should be yeah. grateful. Like nothing's wrong. Yeah. Like I, you know, I adore you. Yeah. That was always mine is like, no, I love you more than anyone could ever love you. So you're insane. So it was like, yeah. why would I tell someone else this? Cause they're just going to be like, oh, you're crazy. Like that's totally normal. Um, and so like, I feel like, you yeah, you get that enough that it's like, <laughs> you can't handle more. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, why, <laughs> why keep making myself feel this way? Like, I'm just going to exactly. tell people I'm okay. Cause it's clearly normal. I think with this, it's, it's tricky because it's, it's different for every scenario. I think, mm-hmm. um, I love that you bring it up though, because now I've had people say like, Oh, like talk about specific instances, even like people I didn't know very well who ran into me that were like, that was weird. I thought that was weird. I had a feeling that this, da, 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 um, but didn't say anything. And I was like, what? Like y'all knew and no one said anything. And I was just kind of yeah. in the dark, but, but at the same time, like it is, it's hard to navigate. I think at the end of the day, the tricky thing, at least for me, when people tried to help me, it, it depends what the nature of the abuse abuses and how escalated it is. But when people tried to help me, um, once I eventually told some people, like I didn't for the longest time until towards the end. And once I did, things really escalated. And Mm -hmm. if they would try and help, then the abuse would come back to me. I was going to say, sometimes it makes it a lot worse, worse. which is hard. And that's the difficult thing. But I think at the end of the day, the best thing to do isn't so much to be like, this is bad. This is bad. Don't put up with this. I think at the end of the day, at least I can speak from my experience. 
what was helpful to me and the people that were helpful to me were the people who were just there to be a friend. Because yeah. here's the thing, I know from the outside, it's so easy. And even now, like uh, seeing other women who've reached out to me and seeing their situations and how bad they are and how like terrible they're feeling because of how terribly they're being treated. Like it's easy to look from the outside and go like, don't put up with this. But they already have, the, the point is at the end of the day, you need to empower that person that they are capable of making their own decisions that are good for their life. Because at the end of the day, what the abuser is doing them is telling them that they're crazy, that they're incapable of making good decisions. So therefore the abuser should make choices for them because they're too stupid or mm -hmm. they're too selfish to make decisions for themselves. So when the abuser is telling them they're stupid, they're crazy, and then you have people on the outside saying, you're stupid, you're crazy, you should leave, and then the abuser saying, you're stupid, you're crazy, you need to stay, it's all, it feels the same. It's too so much, yeah. It's too much. And so for me, when I was like, I'm trying to make my marriage work, I'm trying to make my marriage work, but then other people, if they tell me like, oh, well, you should just leave, you shouldn't put up with this, this isn't okay, you don't deserve this, it felt like the same feeling of just feeling guilty because I felt like no matter what I was disappointing people, whether that was my, my ex or, you know, friends, like I was a disappointment and it further showed me that I wasn't capable of making good decisions and look how much of a mess I am Yeah. because, and so I think the biggest thing is not to like play into that of like, Oh, this is what you should do. Because at the end of the day, no one can make that decision for the victim or survivor of abuse. Yeah, I had to leave. The victim, yeah. I had to leave when I was ready and people could argue that I should have left earlier. But I, at the end of the day, if someone were to pluck me out of the situation, I would have gone back. And mm -hmm. women on average go back to their abuser seven times before officially leaving. Jeez. And I separated a couple times and went back. But mm -hmm. had someone taken me out of it, I, I had to... I had to make that decision so that I could empower myself to leave. But what helped me was having people that were there the whole time, not telling me what to do, but mm. just loving me regardless of my decisions. I love loving that. And respecting me regardless of whether I chose to stay or to leave. So that way, when I did leave, I knew I had a place to go. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I wouldn't be judged for not leaving earlier or that I was dumb or stupid or crazy or whatever it was, because like, you just, you don't want to be saying anything that could be at all similar to what the abuser is doing, because you know, the victim's already experiencing so much of that, but yeah. you just need to be like, be a friend, ask questions, but don't put judgment on anything. Yeah. No judgment. Right? Like to ask questions about specifics of like caring and getting to know them and being interested in their life because you do genuinely care, but, mm -hmm. but not putting your own judgment on it because like the victim is already like placing blame on them for literally every single thing that like anymore, like they're going to feel isolated or their abuser is going to make them isolate from you because you're going mm -hmm. to be deemed as like a bad influence according to the, the abuser. And so you, you really just want to be kind of a neutral support in my mind. Um, because you really can't. And that was, that, that was the great thing of why, like, I love my therapist. Cause she said, she's like, I'm not here to tell you to stay or to leave. I'm here for you to voice things. And for me to share my education, because I've worked with people like this day in and day out. But at the end of the day, 
you know what's best for you because this is your <laughs> life and you're the captain of your own life. And you will be able to make a decision that will lead you to happiness and a healthy life. And it's not up to me to decide that, but it's up to you because this is your life. I love that. Yeah. And I think that's what I always like even tell myself now about like myself back then is I'm like, I did my best. And I think that's like what people need to know about victims is like they're doing their absolute best. So yeah, kind of like what you said, don't telling them what to do is just if someone had told me like exactly what I needed to do, it would have, I think probably just sent me over the edge. Cause it would have been like, well, I'm already being told so much, like so much information and so much that I need to do that, like just being there for them. And like, I had such good friends that like saw things that were going on, but yeah, they were just there for me and were like, Hey, if you ever need anything, if you ever need a place to stay, if you ever need a place you're like someone to talk to. And like, that really is how I got out of my situation is I had people who were close to me that didn't tell me what to do, but they made sure that I knew that like, they thought I was doing my best and that like, they were there if I needed like a single thing. Um, and I feel like that was so helpful. Um, well, and I think too, oh, oh, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. (laughs) Sorry. I, um, one of the things too, I think is Um, at least for me, like I, like you were saying, like, I couldn't be told, like, I couldn't be told what to do because that wouldn't have helped me. And maybe for other people it would. And I think you have to use like your own, you know, intuition. Yeah. Yeah, Your own discretion. And I think it's good to like label things. It's like, Hey, that's the gaslighting or that's this, but don't put a judgment on it of like, how dare you put up with that? You know, just, Mm -hmm. I think being neutral and just being factual. But I think if you're this friend to this person, for me, what helped me was having people that I could be around that built me up so much and focused on building me up that I was able to subconsciously see the difference between, oh my gosh, no, like I'm not crazy and people do love me and I don't deserve abuse. Like subconsciously, I was able to experience it, experience mm-hmm. that because the people around me were able to show me love and build me up that I felt the difference of, okay, when I go home, I feel this way. But when I'm around these friends and these family, like, this is how I feel. And I want more of this. So I gravitated towards that. And I think that was much better for me to learn myself through experience rather than being told, but just Mm -hmm. being able to experience that love and that light so that I was able to decide for myself, this is what I want. Absolutely. No, I love that. That was like a big thing for me as well as I started getting away from my abusive situation for like, um, for just like for work or like there were just times where I would be able to get away from it for a while. And that really was such a big wake up call for me as I was like, wait, why do I feel so so light and so good? (laughs) And like, why do I feel like myself? Why do I feel safe? And then why do I dread going back to that situation? Like, and that was such a wake up call for me of being like, why do I only feel like a horrible, terrible person around this one person? Like that is weird that I don't feel like that all the time. There's only one person I feel that way around. Um, And that really was like such a big wake up call for me is like people in other situations making me feel so good about myself and feel so safe that the juxtaposition of those two things can kind of snap you not out of it, but out of it enough to like find safety. Some clarity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, um, the, I feel the same exact way. It's so interesting. No, it, it, it is. That's like why I was so excited to talk to you. Cause I think 
everyone's situations are so, so different, but a lot of the lessons are the same. Um, and that's kind of what I wanted to like wrap up by asking you is like, I'm so grateful and happy, like genuinely from at the bottom of my heart that you are out of this situation now and that you've like found safety and found yourself again and like mm-hmm. found this situation and like this life. I always tell people, I'm like, it feels like I was gifted like another life. Like it right. feels like I started life again. It feels like I died, like, which sounds dramatic, but I'm like, it feels like I was reborn into like a new life after that. Um, and I would love to hear kind of like if you could go back and maybe like tell yourself something or like what you would tell people about like the other side is always what I call it because I think there is just like another side after abuse that is like unlike anything that I knew was possible like I thought I would be like like I thought that I would feel that way forever and I think that's what's so daunting sometimes is you almost I feel like I came to terms with that like I came to terms with feeling like that for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. and I would love to know like what you would tell others or what you would tell yourself like about this other side um, and kind of like almost like what's waiting for you after this. And like, I don't know, like, I, cause I think when I look back on it too, I'm like, oh my gosh, it, it cost me everything to leave such a horrible situation. But like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad it did. Like I lost, you know, I destroyed my own life by getting out of an abusive situation, but it, it was like a cleansing fire. Like yeah, it was the most yeah, just an absolute rebirth. I think like, I love what you said of feeling like you kind of do like die in a way. I think it's like a soul. Mm-hmm. Death. I think going through that, um, I think one of the things that I was concerned about was like, I felt like I lost myself and I didn't know who I was anymore. But now coming out from the other side, I realized really like, Yes, I am different. I'm not going to be the same as I was before abuse, but I am so much better, stronger, and I have so much more depth now. And it's like there's so many things that I didn't see, that I didn't appreciate, that I didn't know that I that I've learned. And like like you said, it's like it's starting over in a way that's like, "Oh my gosh." It's like it makes you like there's this I read in this book and this is how like to describe it like in this a book about abuse she was talking about once you leave while it's difficult and you're going through a grieving process at the same time at the same time you'll start noticing i love how she put this you'll start noticing things are sparkly again oh i love that and i like felt that to a t of like I remember just like after I left and like, I still haven't, I think I haven't even told my family yet. I was sleeping on my friend's couch. I hadn't told, like I hadn't told anyone yet, Mm -hmm. but I was like, I had one pair of clothes. I didn't even have a toothbrush, but I was living life. I was like listening to like Taylor Swift in my car. And I was, I felt amazing. I was like, I could enjoy the music. I could listen to the music. I could hear the beats. And just like the pure bliss that came from finally being relaxed and feeling at peace and feeling like I was, like I was allowed to exist and experience life and be happy was like, so like just that feeling in and of itself was like worth it going through that. I, and and it's so hard to say because when you're in it, you do feel like I felt like this is going to be eternity. And I I just like, I just want to fall asleep. I don't want to wake up because Mm -hmm. 
And if I leave, I feel like it's going to be the same thing. And it's not. It's not. Oh, I love that. I think that's the best way to put that is like, you think it's never going to get better no matter what, but it's like, it's, it's going to be, it won't be like that if you leave. It's so beautiful if you leave it. It is. And if anything, it's like probably better than it was before. Yes, there's Mm -hmm. pain, but I, I love the quote that it's like the greater pain you experience, the more capacity you have for joy. Yeah. Um, on a previous episode, my best friend and like roommate actually told me this quote the other day. It's by Ruthie Lindsay and I'll butcher it because I don't have it in front of me, but it literally is like the more that pain carves into you, the more capacity you have for joy, like the more room there is for joy to fill it. And I think I love that. that is totally how I would describe what life is like after abuse is like, there's like, I don't want to paint it. Like it's all daisies. Like, Oh my gosh, the therapy and the healing (laughs) that comes from it is, it is a lot, but it is on the same like token. Like it is so beautiful. Like I just had no idea that life was supposed to feel this way. And like, I'm so grateful that I'm able to feel that way about life again. Like not even think that life is like okay and survivable, but that it is just so beautiful. And that's like one of those things I feel like people, and I feel like anyone I've talked to has come out of abuse. And when people have asked me, they're like, well, what would you have done differently? Do you regret it? And the thing is, I don't. Like Mm -hmm. I'm glad I got married. I'm glad I experienced that because holy cow, like it, scares me to imagine not having gone through that because I see where I am now. And while yes, there's grief and there's pain, it is so much more fulfilling. And I feel like I'm finally getting a grasp. I'm coming to my own of like, okay, this is what, like, I'm figuring out what life is about in a whole different way than before. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to take that back. I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. No, I, I love hearing you say that because I've said that to people closest to me before too, where I'm like, no, I would, I would do it again. I don't know if I would do it as long as I did, but I would, I would do it again. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I may cut that a little short, but like I would a hundred percent do it again because I would have never, I don't think I would have become this person without it. Like I am, it sounds so weird, but I'm like, but I'm grateful. I'm, I I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but I'm like Mm -hmm. grateful that I survived it and that like it's forged who I am now. And that's going to breathe into like, that's going to breathe into your future relationships. You're going to be able to have so much better, more fulfilling, deep relationships. Your art is going to be full, like everything. And I've even seen like you following your Instagram and everything of just like, I feel like you've just kind of like expanded. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. (laughs) Like, that's what I feel like, like, there's just the expansion and clarity that comes with it afterwards. So I just like Mm -hmm. hope people listening to this see that Mm -hmm. and know that like the feeling you're feeling right now of like despair and death and darkness, that is not forever. It is Mm -hmm. not. And it's going to be so much more fulfilling and clear on the other side. Yeah. And I think to go along with that too, like what I would always want to tell someone if they were listening to this and in the same situation is just that like, you're not crazy and you're not imagining it. And like, you deserve this better life. Cause I think that's what's so hard when you're in the depths of it is you're like, why well, deserve this? Cause I'm a sh- awful person. Like, yeah. cause that's how you feel. But it's like, you don't deserve this. No one deserves it. Honestly. Like I always exactly. tell people, I'm like, I wouldn't even 
wish my abuse on my abuser. Like I wouldn't wish it on anyone. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Like Mm -hmm. no one is deserving of it. And you're so deserving of like this bigger, better, beautiful life that's waiting for you on the other side. Amen. Love it. (laughs) I love that. Thank you so much. Seriously. Like just from the bottom of of my heart for being so vulnerable about such a difficult awful hard topic and like sharing your heart and your story with us and like helping so many people with you know whatever hardships they're going through I'm so grateful so thank you so much for being on here thank you thanks for having me and thanks for talking about this and creating a dialogue and sharing this on your platform I know it's gotten to a lot of people and I I know you're helping people so I appreciate that Oh, well, I hope you know I feel the same about you. I'm like, thank you so much for freaking using your voice. I know it's so hard. So thank you for being on here. And thank you so much to all of you listening. And we will see you next time. 